0: Trademarks owned by Becklass AB to C V 2024 Proximo Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app.
4: A San Antonio district judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it?
1: I did it because I was foolish.
4: Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on revolverpodcast.com. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and
0: Kenny Florian. I ally, ally, good to be with you. Monday, February 26, 2018 show showing a Boston accent today. Hope that's okay. Should be a spirited show today. Episode 145 of the Anakin Florian podcast. And Josh Emmett's just lucky that it was Jeremy Stevens throwing those elbows and not Kenny Florian because we'd be talking about, you know, some life-altering scars. <laughs> Multiple so, uh,
3: lacerations. Oh, Yeah.
0: Multiple lacerations for sure. Uh, and then probably it'll rear, na- rear naked for good measure. Uh, we're going to get into Josh Emmett and Jeremy Stevens. You can be sure. We're, we're going to get to it in a couple minutes, but we got to check in on the new dad. I'm not sure the listeners care about the rosy stuff, Kenny. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, I, I care more about what like what's the worst part of being a dad thus far? You're a couple mm. weeks in, right? Tell the listeners what you don't like. We you know it's reality? awesome. Yeah. yeah. No,
3: they want reality. I'll give them reality. Uh, <laughs> how, how, how about explosions in the car? You know, Ooh. just explosions through yeah. the diapers, through everywhere. Just kind of, if it's, if the diaper isn't secured properly, or if it's not a good diaper, right. you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Get, yeah, it, yeah. It, it can get messy really, really quickly. Uh, So we've had a few emergencies,
0: but that's it. That's it. I love it. I love being a
3: dad is awesome. It's so much fun.
0: I mean, don't, don't buy a Porsche. And when the kid shits up the (laughs) Buick Encore, nobody cares, you know?
3: Exactly. But you can lease it. Not say, you know, that is true. Right. You always lease it.
0: (laughs) Honey, she got it all over the Chevy Equinox. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Uh, I can't pull late again today, Uh, by the way. I know. I I know. That's all right, though. Again, though, we take it's live to take. We do hope there is a time in the not-too-distant future when this show is not just on TV as it sort of is right now with the video and everything that everyone at Fox Sports has done for this fine program. But to do this thing not just live to tape but to do it live to potentially take listener calls and uh, to really have this thing be be simulcast and a big deal. I mean that was the goal from day one. And uh, man, we're just one step at a time. We're trying to get there. Uh, So a great night of fights in Orlando, and hopefully that won't be lost in the controversy at the end of the main event. One of the better night of fights I can remember in recent memory. We're going to recap the hell out of it. Also, Ken Flo's got picks for you on UFC 222. Making the guy make eight picks on Monday is just (laughs) cold-hearted. But but again, as I said, uh, he doesn't come to me for fun. And and to that end, let's get to headlines.
1: Headlines. It's time for Headlines. I have some very urgent
4: and
0: important breaking news. Headlines.
4: On the John Anik and Kenny Florian
5: podcast.
0: Flo, I'm drinking Diet Coke right now, too. A little aspartame Uh, in the morning. So sorry to disappoint. I appreciate your honesty.
3: Just letting you know. A little
0: aspartame fix in the morning doesn't hurt
3: anyone. No, it's fine. We'll we'll have just another couple years of the podcast. (laughs) Anik will just have a massive heart attack.
0: Oh, I know. I know. That's good.
3: We'll do it from the hospital room, though. We'll get it going. Yeah.
0: So uh, <laughs> it's true, too. I got to stop. So uh, so Jeremy Stevens uh, knocks out Josh Emmett, buck 35 of the second round. Great per- performance by Stevens, in, in my opinion. I- he understood that Josh Emmett was a powerful guy, and he certainly got Rock Kenny in that first round, yeah. recovered nicely. I thought Stevens recovered to such an extent that he got his wits about him even before he actually hit the ground. And that's one thing I'll say about Stevens' UFC experience, right? He had the wherewithal to stay in the fight. Uh, he He's just such a fighter's fighter in that spirit. So right. I had no doubt that he would recover if he was rocked in this fight. Uh, and then, of course, he's able to get Josh Emmett out of there in the second round. So much to dissect when it comes to that finish. But uh, Jeremy Stevens certainly put himself in position for a huge fight here. and And by and large, should be credited, I would think, for that win.
3: Uh, Yes, he did, and he's, again, proven uh, to the UFC and to the fans that he's a guy that you can rely on. You know exactly what you're going to get every single time he competes um, he's either going to take you out, or he's going to go out on his shield. This, that's just his style. So uh, he has a fan favorite style for a reason. Uh, his knockout power is just tremendous. You know, heading into this fight, we were wondering who had more knockout power, Emmett right. or Stevens. And you know, I was watching with my wife, uh, and you know, as soon as he, uh, as soon as Emmett knocked out, knocked down Stevens at the end of the first round, um, she goes, "Oh, it's going to be over. Look, oh my gosh, he's going to knock." I said, "No." I looked at Jeremy's eyes exactly huh. as you said. I said nope steven's gonna get back to his feet and emmett, it, emmett's gonna get knocked out and he, she's like what what are you talking about he just got knocked down i said no he's playing right into right into steven's game emmett was just he was moving a lot and he was trying to find an angle but he wasn't throwing anything off of it he wasn't throwing enough combinations he was essentially just either all the way out or all the way in the pocket trading with someone like jeremy stevens and the way Stevens was swinging, boy, I, I was just really nervous for Emmett. I said, Emmett isn't using yeah. his wrestling here. He's not really fainting as much as he should. Um, and, and I thought it was going to play right into Stevens' hands, and uh,
0: it, it absolutely did. So you feel like maybe fell in love with the power a little bit, did Emmett, and, and didn't? I, I think so. And, and you know,
3: listen, you, you land that shot at the end of the first round. I think it gave yeah. him a lot of confidence. He said, oh, I got this. <laughs> Uh, But as you said, Stevens was all there, Uh, even when he got rocked. I think it was more of him kind of being off balance and not really seeing uh, that shot. Um, But, yeah, the whole time he was, you know, he was all there. Uh, He got right back to his feet um, and brought it together in the second round. And, man, uh, that guy's just got insane, insane power.
0: And I think Josh Emmett is going to recover well from this and remain a contender and beat a lot of the guys in this top 10. He wrote on Instagram after the fact, just going to put some ice on it and I'll be back. I appreciate all the kind words and concerns hats off to, little heathen MMA, you know, we will be running that back sometime in the future. And I hope when they do run it back, it's not because any win gets overturned here to a a no contest or anything like that. And I don't think that's what's going to happen. But let's address the elephant in the room. And let's start with the referee, Dan Mergliotta, who would be the first to tell you this was not a perfect night for him. Forget about the elbows for a second. And I guess if you want to inject them, it's all part of one conversation. I'm going to try to sort of compartmentalize this and do the best we can to not spend 30 minutes on it but as far as the knee is concerned in real time i challenge anyone to be able to ascertain whether or not that thing landed but i think kenny we can all agree on the replay and maybe we can't all agree but i think you and i can certainly agree that on the replay on the return of it at the very least the knee did graze when jeremy was sort of retreating with it and bringing it back in
3: Without a doubt, it landed It landed on the way down, that's for sure. Uh, you can't see if it grazed, if it actually made contact and went all the way through the target, that target being Emmett's head. Um, but, yeah, I mean, listen, here's the thing. People watching this fight, they, they get the rules completely wrong. And I know uh, Jeremy Stevens was saying that Mergliata told him that, you know, if his hand, one hand is on the mat, you could throw it. Here's the problem. Emmett's knees were on the mat. Right, Right. one knee was down. One knee was down. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if one hand, two hands. If one knee or both knees are on the mat has nothing to do with the hands anymore, that's a down fighter, and that's a down fighter that you cannot knee. Here's the problem. For Jeremy, maybe he misunderstood the rule. He saw it and just kind of went for it, didn't realize his knee was on the mat. Um, I don't necessarily fault him for that. Was it an illegal knee? Yes, it was illegal. If it landed, it doesn't matter how badly it landed – um, it was illegal. I, I don't think Stevens was purposely trying to knock him out illegally. Um, right. I don't even think it really made that much of a difference. I mean, the left hook was way more devastating than knee. I think we can all agree on that. What about those yes. elbows that he followed up with? Those were even right. more brutal than than anything. Right. So um, I don't think the knee was one of those things that really played a factor in this fight. Was it illegal, though? Yes. Mergliotta. Yes. Um, great guy friendly guy um like a lot of these referees are he made a mistake he he did make a mistake again is it one of those things where oh my gosh they really need to run this back but i don't know i i, I don't think it really would have made that much more of a difference i don't think it was the knee that stopped the fight right you know I what agree. i mean it's just it's just that day of power of
0: jeremy Stevens so, as far as the knee is concerned and Dan Mergliata's decision to not pause the action, he seemed to be in a good position, Kenny, to see it. One thing I couldn't get clarification on before the show today, and I tried pretty hard, but a lot of these referees, they don't want to go on the record for sure, and some of them don't even want to get back to you off the record. Yeah, so or can't, or it, can't because of the commission and all that. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so, we'll see. But I, I was under the impression, Kenny, that even if you don't land, A knee to the head of a grounded opponent, if you throw that illegal strike, the referee is within his right to pause the action at that point in time, either to warn or whatever. So that I couldn't get clarification on as to whether or not that is the case, that if you just throw it and Dan sees you throw it, not towards the head or near the shoulder, but you throw it intending to aim at the head which jeremy stevens admitted after the fact that's yes. what he was aiming to do uh then a referee can pause the action i, I said that on the broadcast and I, I i believe that's true but i don't know
3: two, two things let me go back to what you said from Mer- mergliotta on his position when the knee was thrown he was in an okay position but when yeah. the left hook landed when when Emmett got dropped he was way out of position, in my opinion. Yeah. He seemed like he was. I don't know how referees are supposed to do things or what how they're trained to do that. Big John McCarthy or someone with a lot of experience would uh, know better than I would. But he was way off in left field, it seemed. Uh, he was yeah. way out of position. Had to run sprint to get into position. That's all going to make things way more hectic than if you're in a good position to start with. You know what I mean? Yeah. He would have been able yep. to be a way more calm to see exactly what would have happened and how things would have developed you know, i.e. that knee that happened. Um, yeah. The other thing that I wanted to go back to, what did you just say? Well, I wanted to go back to the
0: positioning of Mergliata. Um, Talking about whether or not if you just throw the knee, it's illegal. Do you have to right. land it for it to be an illegal strike? I think most fans would think, well, yes, you need to land it. Um But I I believe that if you're throwing an illegal strike, throwing a knee to the head, uh, that is not allowed.
3: Yeah, well, okay, that's what I want to talk about. So if it lands, it's illegal. It doesn't matter. It's an illegal blow. Um, You know, that that was clear. I I thought it did land a little bit. Was it the kind of impact that would have changed the fight, the outcome of the fight? No. Now, here's the other thing. Let's say they did that. Let's say Mergliata did his job. He went in and stopped the action. Do you you think Emmett would be able to continue?
2: It well, would have right, been. A, it would have been a
3: controversial right. no contest. Everyone would yep. have been angry about that, and we'd be discussing that and how oh terrible that was and blah I blah agree, blah. man. You know, so it, it's a tough si- it's a tough situation. It really is. You know, if you're on Emmett's side of things and you're his coach and you saw how hard he trained and the opportunity that he had, yeah, but uh, he was really badly injured prior to that knee. A- right. And as far as the elbows, you know, there was controversy uh, over that. You know, were those to the back of the head? I don't really think so. Listen, if you're throwing a shot, if I'm throwing a punch at you, right, and you move your head, the target's moving. I can't adjust that in real time as I'm throwing with momentum to switch up a shot to make sure that I'm landing in, in, in front of your face. You know what I mean? So right. Emmett was trying to move. He was trying to scramble. Um, you know, Stevens is throwing those elbows. I don't think those were, you know, he was trying to be – Malicious with those. I don't think he was purposely trying to aim to the back of the head. I don't have a problem with those elbows. And a lot of people were freaking out about that. But I don't think they realize that in a fight, when that's happening, that that's not a, a fighter really can't control what another fighter does. If I'm throwing yep. it at your face and it happens to move,
0: that's, that's on you. Sorry. Yeah, we, we are in agreement on the elbows. We saw something similar, I guess, even though it was on the feet with Diego Sanchez and Matt Brown not all that long ago. As many of you know, Diego reached out to me and was disappointed that we didn't mention on the broadcast that he absorbed a an elbow to the back of the head but of course his head was moving so let's bring ray longo into this uh conversation the great raymond peter longo now joining us because i think you disagree with us at least a little bit ray when it comes to the elbows here i challenge anyone in real time to say unequivocally that those elbows were legal or illegal i guess with the benefit of replay uh if you want to say it hit right on that back of the neck uh back of the head area i'm not going to disagree with you how are you ray
2: yeah, very good, very good. Yeah, I'm going to disagree a little bit. Look, I'm agreeing with 90% of the stuff. Very tough position to be in. Very, very tough. But, I mean, if you're going to error on the side of caution, you have to make the adjustment. You know what I mean? If you're there, there's an agreement between Josh Emmett and the ref that that guy is there to protect them. And that's really the issue here. It has no nothing to do with who won the fight or what would have been the outcome. The, the, the problem is did he do his due diligence and protect that kid? And I'm saying not really. And, and you know, like, again, I'm a little biased because I went through with Weidman and that thing ended up being such a clusterfuck. And who knows, right. maybe Dan didn't want to go through that again. You know, like, that was a mess that took, you know, 15 minutes to figure out people running right. in and out of the Octagon. You know, so I do think he has a responsibility to protect that guy. And if it's even close, and I agree, there's no question about it. Look, I'm saying... uh jeremy stevens did exactly what he was supposed to do i don't think there was any maliciousness on his part the guy's a savage he's gonna yeah, go yeah. for it we know that but it's the ref's responsibility to Say, hey well even if it's close or it's going in fast time i'm not saying it's easy but i think uh, somebody could have got seriously injured with that and that that's where i'm coming from i'm going to go on the side of safety and you're right either way it's going to be look either way it's we're going to be talking about this, but one way the guy's going to be safe. And one way there's possibility the guy's dead. That that's the difference Mm -hmm. either way. It might not be good. And that's why I said, I like to take out, you know, who would have won the fight or what would have happened? I think that's irrelevant. It's more just adjusting to what's going to happen in the future. It's like, you know, even the thing with Dominic Cruz, I'm, I'm, and I'm, and I'm even with him. If it's my guy, I think Kenny said it. If I'm a Josh Emmett guy, I'm going with that. If I'm a Jeremy Stevens guy, obviously I'm leaning towards that. It's, yeah. it's that type of situation which I think allows that to happen. But I mean, like again, I have to, you got to go with the safety first, and I think that's where it gets a little screwed up, man. I, I don't know. I, I, I saw that as, you know. Like and I think I was going off on a tangent. I think even with Dominic, you know, he started getting crazy. Well, it's only illegal if the rep calls it. I don't. I don't know. Like if I try to hit you with my car and you right. jump out of the way, it's only <laughs> illegal if I hit you. I mean, I don't know. I run a red right. light, nobody sees it. Yeah. You know, it's only illegal if the cop pulls me over. Really? Is that? Is that it? The intent of doing it had nothing to do with anything. You know what I mean? Like. I thought he was going to say next, you know, if a tree falls in the woods and nobody's there, <laughs> doesn't it make it sound. Uh, I mean, this is where we're going. That's funny. It's crazy. Huh. I mean, you I'm know,
3: saying – Listen, right? You know, you make a good point. Referring is not easy, but you know what else is exactly not easy? Not. Fighting. Fighting yeah. isn't easy either. And for a referee, it's way safer for him than it is for the fighters. So <laughs> I, I agree with you. You know what I mean? It's like everyone's yeah. like, ah, oh, refereeing. It's 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 not. You know, it's not easy. <laughs> Fighting isn't easy either. You know, and, and uh, so, anyways, for a referee, I agree with you. He should be in there to protect the fighters. You're 100 that, correct. That's really
2: the bottom line. It's not even like again. I'm not looking to get down on the guy, but. You know, if he would have stopped that, he at least has the right to say, look, I was worried for that guy's safety, and I I don't even care if I'm wrong. My intent was to help that guy and to to save him from physical damage that – you know, because when you – look, and again, you guys are there live. I'm looking at it on TV, and I'm looking at the replay, and it just looked like, I don't know, he should have had the chance to – you know, he should have had the chance even after the knee to go, oh, 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 dude, the guy's on all fours. Right. You know what I mean? Ray, what's,
3: the, can't do that. what's the solution here? You, would you like to see these guys run it back? Do you think Emmett deserves a
2: shot at a rematch? What do you think these guys should do? You know, rematch or no rematch, man, he took some blows that probably could have been for, prevented if that, you know, he would have got worn for the knee and had a chance to regroup a little bit. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, nothing's gonna happen. That's the other thing. I know. You know <laughs> even when I had the controversy with Weidman in New York, I mean, I had the commissioner tell me there's no instant replay. Yet they went to the instant replay. I mean, I think the first thing that has to happen is, like I've been saying, it like a national board. Everybody's got to be on board with the same rules, not state to state. That's that's bullshit. I really think Jeremy Stevens is a hundred percent right. I think he really thought. That was a, a legal knee because he was told that one hand down, you know, you can need a guy. It Probably left out the fact that if both knees are on the floor, it's illegal. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I'm, I'm 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 saying it's confusing. Right. Even no, it me, is. Yeah. As a coach, it's fucking confusing. It and really imagine this. You don't. You know, and you've gone you through know, this and,
3: process with Weidman. You know, uh, Chuck Mindenhall had a great article on this, and he said, you know, you've a better chance of hailing a cab from the top of the Empire State Building and getting than than getting an appeal overturned. It's just not going to happen.
2: The only way these refs are going to get in trouble at this point is if they stab somebody or shoot somebody in the octagon. That's it. <laughs> yeah, outside of that, they're immune. Yeah. They're immune to everything. Yeah. Do something. Go be proactive. Suspend somebody. Pay- take away some right. money. Do do something. There's nothing being done. Nothing. And, again, that was a clusterfuck with Chris, and I could see I- Dan not want to even be involved. I mean, and, and, you know, maybe that affected his decision. But it was, it was quick. And that would have been that would have taken a really talented eye to step in there. So I I, I don't know. I feel for everybody, even even Dan. I mean, it's not an easy place to be. But if I'm Dan, I'll, I'd rather make a mistake and at least go back on. Look, I'm there to protect the guy. And, and just it. to That's hop it. in one and more time,
3: and John, sorry, John. Uh, one other yeah. thing, Ray, as well is, is that you know Emmett got out of there. He, he has a broken orbital bone. I, I think maybe in yeah. two or three places. I think I heard. Yeah. So those are the kind of injuries where. That could affect you if the if the orbital exactly. bone is that's broken enough. Re- that he could never fight again. I, I'm not saying that. I don't I don't know yeah. any about. Oh, exactly. But it could.
2: Well, that's why I say rematch or no rematch. The damage is done. Right. I would have rather had a, a controversy. Let him do it over again. But same thing with Weidman. Just let him do it over again. Obviously, everybody doesn't know what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, right. that would have been a, a fair thing to do. But now, Emmett, you know, maybe that last elbow is what cracked his orbital, and that should have been prevented if the guy got the warning for the knee, at least a warning. You don't have to make a big deal out of it, but you got to address it. You can't just stand there looking at it and do nothing about it.
0: And it's really not my intention to lose sight of of the safety part of this because as Kenny well knows, Ray, I have always been someone who has wanted them to stop fights early. You know, Josh Rosenthal was universally praised as a referee because I think he let fights go late. And I was always on the side of premature stoppages. I guess I'm just trying to think of solutions and how we can make it easier for referees, for fighters, for broadcasters because it is chaos right now. And that's why I've been suggested for the first time ever as an MMA fan that maybe knees to the head of a grounded opponent that I would actually, if I got a vote and it was up for vote for the first time in my life, I would actually vote for it. And Greg Savage wrote on Twitter, it would be the single best thing to happen to the rule set would stop a ton of stalling in the sport and take out a lot of ambiguity for referees. Now I know both you guys are going to say it probably would not be good because it's not at all safe for the fighters, but, I mean, Ray, if you're getting kneed well, on the head, right? but, I mean, like, aren't you yeah. putting yourself in a bad spot to begin with? I mean, is there any merit to, in trying to help clarify this to actually have knees to the head of a grounded opponent be legal?
2: Well, I don't I don't want to speak for Josh Gross, but I think he's a, the point in that whole thing was ambiguity. That's what's causing the problems. He, his thing is, Greg if Savage, you know there's yeah. knees to the head, then you take that part out of the referee. You know what I mean? Like, but if you think there's a rule and the ref is there to stop it, then that that's where the ambiguity comes in. They don't know. You know, so yeah. I think his point is, like, if you made knees to the head legal, then the other guy would know exactly what to do. He'd bail out or he'd go into some other defense or whatever it's going to be. But to have it, you're not even sure what the rules are or they're changing state to state. That's the first thing that has to be addressed. There can't be any ambiguity with the rules. The KISS principle, keep it simple, stupid, the, Easier those rules are, the easier it's going to be for the referee. You got to take out a lot of stuff from his hands because I don't think, you know, like again, you're, you're putting too much weight on these guys. And I think that's where the problem comes in. But keep it simple. If that's it, you might be better off kneeing to the head at this point because then everybody knows it. There's nothing to do. And yeah. the ref could just jump in after the first knee and stop it if he wants. You know, you always have that option, you know, to, uh, to stop it. And again, if a ref is doing the right thing and his his intent is correct to help the fighters or to make sure the guy fights another day, I, don't, I think that's going to be an, a harder thing to argue. I really do. I think that's going to be a hard thing to argue. The guy is always going to be cautious, and that's the type of ref he is, and I think people feel better with that.
0: You have to give the referee the power when he sees an illegal strike thrown to pause the action, and I do believe, and I couldn't get it on record today or – get the clarification i was looking for but i do believe that is the case i just want to read you this one tweet and then we can move on from ben folks for instance if i'm clearly trying to headbutt you but you're just barely moving out of the wage time are we saying that the ref's hands are tied like he can't say or do anything until after i've succeeded in fouling you ray and i think that's your point, point right like if that's i'm it, trying to hit right you illegally with a car or a knee right? you know
2: it's a hundred percent right, and you're not even looking for this fight. You want to make sure it doesn't happen in the next fight. Now, guys, you know you don't want guys just, oh, I was aiming for the shoulder and start playing that game where they need the head. No, right. it's, a, it's a sorry, sorry, but the damage is already done. That's the problem. So I think Ben Fultz is is a hundred percent on the money. You know, it's the intent that you have to at least make sure these guys understand that is, uh, it's just wrong. I, I'm going to tell you a real quick story. I had a guy, an amateur kid, fight uh over the weekend and the amateurs you can't punch to the head on the floor right so my guy i mean crushes the guy but it was one of the craziest amateur fights i've ever seen he did more damage to this guy's body than i've ever seen done in an amateur fight and at one point in the fight i'm like he's gonna get disqualified this is crazy he's like going berserk but he picked those shots he did pick them yeah it was berserker but he picked him, and that was the <laughs> yeah. difference. He wasn't just winging stuff and hoping that it hits legally. He was looking. But man, was he a savage when he when he was throwing that stuff. And I think, you know, like again, Jeremy Stevens. I really believe he thought that league was neat it was uh, was legal. I really did. He look. He could have taken an easy way out and said, "I was, I was, trying was to for him for the shoulder, and I missed." He didn't. Yep. He's being honest. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I think you got to come in and say, "Listen." We got to make these rules clear. They got to go back and just make one rule, and that's it. Period. Make sure everybody knows it.
0: All right. Last thing, and then if you got anything on the way out, we'll we'll give you as much time as you need. But you had me go back and watch another fight in which Dan Mergliato was involved, Alessio Sakara against Patrick Cote, UFC 154 in 2012. Basically, what happened to my eyes is that Sakara landed a lot of shots to the back of the head. I guess there were some verbal warnings, but I didn't see anything resembling a warning from Dan Mergliata in that instance. Stops the fight as if it's a TKO, and then goes over to the commission, and it is a DQ win for Patrick Cote. So uh, why did you alert me to that video? And obviously there was a lot that I saw that was wrong with how that situation was handled, but why did you send me to that video today?
2: Well, I mean, I just think it goes to show I me mean, some guys are in the right place and they just can't make the decision. They can't pull the trigger. That's not yep. easy. You yes. have to be able yeah. to make those decisions yeah. to be a good referee. And Patrick Cote happened to train at the gym for that fight. So I was a little partial, uh, you know, watching the guy get fouled. So I got a little wacky with that. But but the most was you're looking right at it. What is the problem? Right. There was no. There's, right. a, there's a reason why rabbit punching is illegal in boxing from the 1900s. You could kill somebody. You can't hit in the back of the head. Brain isn't and that's protected the back there. Yeah. You know, that's a very dangerous spot to get hit. And to watch a guy even remotely come close, you know, and you're not you're not doing anything about him, a couple of hits, not good. It's not cool, period.
0: Yeah. I'm glad that uh, we circle back to that because you're right about boxing and the rabbit punches. And, uh, yeah, man, it's it's a serious and thing. And, again, again you know,
2: as a fighter, Kenny, when you go in there, you know, you're you're – Expect the ref if something goes crazy or if you get kicked in the balls that he's going to jump in there and give you time to to rest. And and referees
3: are going to make mistakes, right? But how many mistakes do we allow? But how
2: many mistakes do we allow?
3: How many right. times and we go, I, oh, yeah, though, well, that guy, you know, broken orbital, eh, you know, next time. <laughs> yeah, you no, know, right. that guy, he got concussed, but, you know, we'll do another. I mean, we'll let him do I mean, another hey, one. It, See what happens.
2: Yeah, is it going <laughs> to take Josh Emmett to bring a, liberal, a civil lawsuit against Dan and go, listen, you had a job to do, and you watched me get pummeled? Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what it's going to take, but they have to start. I don't know. It's like the – it's like just the, uh, the blue coat of silence. Like, nobody wants to – Like, I'd like to hear John – I'd like to hear Big John's take on this one, too. You know, now that he's doing more broadcasting. And, you know, do you throw somebody under the bus? You don't. But, again, I think, you know, it's not an easy job, but you need guys that make those decisions. I think John McCarthy definitely handles most of the situations I was in totally different. You know, I think he's really, really good. You have a couple of really good guys. And uh, I I don't know, man. I I really don't know. But, you know, watching – Cote get hit in the back of the head 15 times. I mean, you could count the blows. Right. What are you looking at? Just tell me what you're looking at. I'm just curious to know what what, what you think you're looking at. You're right there. Right. Right,
0: and, and there was no reaction, and that's why I was sort of put off. Like, if you're Sakara and you're in the heat of the moment, and he was very Alessio Sakara after the fact was apologetic, right, for what he had done, but he's the referee's of not course. even warning him. He's standing in the middle of the octagon now, expecting to get his hand raised for a TKO win, yeah. and it's a DQ loss. Uh, tremendous insight yeah. out of you today, champ. We no, punch no, up I to did, the goddamn yeah. top I'm, of the I'm show, saying,
2: look, and we and we just had something with. <laughs> We just had something with Fourier and Eddie Alvarez, right? right? Yeah. That ended up in – what, what right. was that? I mean, but again, he, it was illegal. What do you do? Eddie's not that type of guy. He's in the moment of the fight. But I think that they erred on – you know, the other guy didn't want to continue, right? And then, yeah. you know, again, it's the they're going out to the octagon. They're talking to Ratner. They're talking to this guy. Nobody knows what's going on. They, <laughs> you can't get a straight answer. And then there's yeah. never repercussions. Never. Yep. And that's right. what they have to figure out. What do we do? Do we send this guy back to the minor leagues for a couple of months, let him chill <laughs> right. out, with right. no pressure, right. and bring him back? I don't. There's got to be something. I mean, you could come yeah. up with with a couple of things, but it all starts with it all starts with awareness, and everybody yeah. has to be aware that there was a mistake made. Not cover it up, not flush it, you know, not wipe it under the carpet. Just address it, right yeah. or wrong. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. Just address it. You know, I don't care which yeah. way it goes, but at least. Come
0: up with it, and then somebody's got to say, well, no, I think he did the right thing. All right. Then we know where we stand. Get Dan Mergley out on the bus to Pawtucket. You're being demoted to AAA. He's got a ref curling in the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's much yeah, safer. You got, uh, you got- much safer. But yeah, you as got- the, but
3: listen, you know, we, we talk about the referees. The, the reason why we spend a lot of time talking about the referees, and just to kind of close this book on, a, on my end, is that you know, when you're talking about a sport like curling, or you're talking about a sport like mixed martial arts, you talk about the the, the amount of danger in each sport. They better be pretty damn good if they're going to exactly. ref a mixed martial That's arts the fight. Line. You better be damn good. You the 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 margin for error could be the difference, like you said, Ray, of a guy maybe not being the same after a fight.
2: Without so a doubt. you gotta I mean, be damn good. Yeah, exactly. That's all I was saying. Now, what that takes. Maybe we have to, you know, vet that process a little better. You know what I mean? We have to bring in different types of people, you know, and if you can't do it, you can't do it. I think, you know, there's a couple other guys out there. They're getting a little older. They just can't pull the trigger. You got to yeah. get them out of there, man. You, you just, you, the, the safety of the fighter has to be paramount. That has to be first. And, you know, that that's what they're there to do, you know, period. And, uh, and there's a decent amount of you know, money
3: on the line as well for these fighters
2: exactly that's the other thing we're not even you know yeah. addressing you know but like again not, not I don't, you know like again i hope this didn't take away anything from jeremy stevens the guy's a savage he's yes. on the roll he looks like he found a great spot that was a great fight while it lasted it went back and forth a little bit uh sucks when this shit happens because you just don't know the impact of anything you know what i mean and where, where it would have been but it certainly looked like jeremy stevens was on his way to winning that fight and Again, he did exactly what a fighter should do. Go for it. And in the process of going for it, if something goes south or, you know, south of the equator or the border, whatever, the ref has to jump in there and warn you. And then you can't, as a fighter, even be mad at the ref. You know what I mean? You can't. You did something illegal, whether you know it or not. This is the rules, period. We're adhering to the rules. That's it.
0: Well, thank you for the extended time today, buddy. We appreciate you. And, uh... Probably a lighter topic next week, but with this sport, yeah, you just go, never know. Let's go know. back
2: to laugh. I don't see Kenny laugh during the broadcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely, I'm miserable. I'm I, absolutely, am now. I, I am, am now. I'm <laughs> Oh man, that's better. I, wish I could have, I wish I could have said something to make him laugh. But that fight uh, was it's good
3: content. That
2: though. fight was, that fight was violent. I think that fight was more violent than the tate LoBianco murders. I really do. <laughs> that fight was violent. And if you watch that fight backwards, John, you'll hear Paul is dead in the background. It's crazy. <laughs> Thing. see I, I couldn't let you get away ken ah you are a gem i love it i take love it, it take it easy man good luck take it. Oh, there guys.
0: he is what a savage forget so jeremy good. stevens
2: yeah. that fucking guy he's, my he's,
0: lord he's amazing called me this morning all fired up i was like <laughs> oh jesus uh i know we disagree on the elbows but in terms of the elbows to the back of the head kenny right nick lentz god love him but he tweeted, best way to solve this problem, make knees everywhere legal. That I have less of a problem with than when he says, I'd also be totally fine with hits to the back of the head, too. This isn't boxing. And I think maybe Nick just doesn't understand or care about the severity of the hits to the back of the head. But Kenny, our late boss, the great Anthony Mormile, when we were uh, at the worldwide leader, you know, he had major concerns that that this sport was going to witness a death on the highest level, right? On the greatest proven ground in the sport, in the octagon. And there are a lot of people who who worry about that happening. And thankfully, since 1993, it hasn't happened in the UFC. But I covered a boxing death in 2005, Levander Johnson and, uh, you know, it, it it's a real thing and so i'm glad that ray was sort of able to at least shift our discussion at least from my standpoint for a minute or two uh to fighter safety because ultimately at the end of the day i think even me in the aftermath of this fight kind of lost sight of that and thankfully josh Emmett is okay
3: yeah and listen as far as simplifying the rules and saying you know let's just do knees from everywhere would, would it simplify things absolutely is it going to make it safer for the fighters I I don't know. Uh, Probably not. Um, And what about, you know, um, upping your chances of hitting someone in the back of the head with a knee? Right. That that risk, uh, you know, it's going to be more liable to happen. Um, You know, the reason why you don't hit to the back of the head, I said it earlier real quick as Ray was talking, but your brain isn't as protected back there. Mm -hmm. It's much softer. It's the older part of the brain, uh, way more susceptible to damage um so that is why they don't hit to the back of the head uh, in boxing or in mixed martial arts
0: all right let me just get you two possible solutions real quick and then we can move on i do want to talk about the final steven's elbow mm-hmm. and then i promise we'll put it to bed uh but in terms of solutions so, maybe having smaller referees relative to the weight classes. Like, if you got a guy like Keith Peterson in there and you know he moves pretty well, that yeah. neck tattoo does not hold our buddy <laughs> Keith Peterson down, that's for sure. But, you know, Dan Mergliotti trying to move 275 pounds to get in position around True. these feather weights. And I know the higher profile referees, the veterans, get the main events a lot of the time. And, and, I don't understand that whole process, but maybe have smaller referees for the smaller fighters. And then I'd also like to see the referees, they have to issue a sign for a warning to the crowd, to the, you know, I know there's something verbal going to the fighters, but at least so there is some acknowledgement that he has warned a fighter for extending the fingers, not pointing them up or for throwing an illegal strike, uh, anything like that. Uh, or, you know, that's borderline, you know, throwing to the spine. We saw one interruption. I think Kevin McDonald yes. also the action right after seeing a punch to the spine. So a lot of different things there. Hopefully we uh, we hit every angle of it. I, I also just don't love the absolutes, right? We're all entitled to our opinion when something like this happens. And in large part it gets serious in MMA because it's not a stick in ball sport. But if this happened in baseball or basketball, we'd be just say, everybody's entitled to their opinion. It's sports, right? So yeah. I didn't think this controversy maybe was as big a deal as some other people, but obviously when I got online, I understood the magnitude of it. The last elbow thrown by Jeremy Stevens. For me, Kenny, not unlike Francis Ngannou's last shot against Alistair Overeem, I just think this is something that the sport could do without. I'm not saying everybody is going to have the restraint of someone like Rafael Assuncao, as we saw recently, but Mm. I feel like Jeremy Stevens, with his veteran savvy and experience, I've never been in the cage, so I don't know how hard it is in that situation to hold back to me, I think Jeremy probably had enough time to see a concussed, unconscious opponent here and not land that final blow, but, but I could be wrong, and, and maybe I should give Jeremy the benefit of the doubt.
3: Well, I, I would say this, is that um, his job is to fight. He's a fighter, and, and yes, absolutely, there's times where a fighter recognizes that um, and lets him up. fighter isn't able to continue. Clearly, he's messed up. Referee comes in and stops the fight. But there's other instances where a, a, a fighter kind of walks away. How about uh, Millender against Tiago Alves when he did it right. a little bit, kind of exactly. stepped off, raised his hands like he was going to walk away. Alves was still in the fight. He was able to come back. What happens if Alves came back, got back to his feet, knocked out Millender? So you have right. to go out there and do your job as a fighter. You can't necessarily assume, oh, the, it seems like the guy's knocked out. We've seen guys come back. Um, yes. Pat Berry and Czech Congo. You know, that would have been an instance where you would say, oh, clearly the guy's getting – oh, my my God, he got knocked out. So, you know, you have to do your job as a fighter, I think. I think Stevens did the right thing, honestly. Um, I I think, again, for the referee, that is the referee's job to go in there and see if the fighter can continue or not. So – you know, that's my issue. And then I think you absolutely make a great point as far as, you know, the weight classes and the size of the referee. I think it absolutely makes a, a difference. I think Keith Peterson probably would have been able to move better with the featherweights, but then at the same time, do you want him refereeing, uh, you know, Stefan Struve and Andre Orlovsky and be able to separate those two if one right. of those huge heavyweights wants to continue and, you know, try right. to hurt the other guy? Is Keith Peterson going to be able to stop him? I don't know. Um, you you want to have a big guy in there. So... Um, I, right. I think that absolutely makes sense. Well,
0: if I'm fighting in an alley, give me Keith Peterson on my right. <laughs> on my squad of five. Yes. So, so was Dan Mergliata the referee in question for Czech Congo and Pat Barry? Because, I don't know. Because in that instance, I, I don't know. I no, I think it was Herb Dean. Was it? But in that instance, uh, I thought one of the poorer referee things to ever happen in the UFC because the referee actually made contact yeah. with Pat Barry. Yeah. Right. Poor Pat Barry. Every time I see him, I'm like, dude, you got fucking hosed on that (laughs) Czech Congo fight. Uh, And last thing I'll say on Steven Zemmett, I thought about leading with the illegal knee in my post-fight interview with Jeremy, uh, but obviously that moment took on a different magnitude for him, and I just chose in those 90 or 120 seconds uh, not to make it all about the illegal knee. Also, generally speaking in those situations, when you ask a winning fighter about a potential foul it's fruitless, right? He's not going to give does he you know much. About of, it, yeah. It happened know. in a blink of an eye. Yeah. So uh, I just wanted to address that, and again, I, it's fair criticism if people want to criticize me for it. But I wouldn't go back and change it. I wanted to give Jeremy his moment, and uh, I thought it was a pretty powerful one for a guy. Who just made his twenty eighth UFC appearance, a guy who I think is gonna have north of forty when he retires. Absolutely incredible that He's a guy a who Kenny he walked into that octagon though, Flo. I know you care a lot about your UFC win loss record. He walked into that octagon fourteen and thirteen in the fucking UFC. Wow. You know. Well and, and again, look at you know, how many people can have
3: That amount of fights in the UFC and actually look better over time. He's looking better and better. Um, uh, Stevens is a guy that I think a lot of featherweights want to avoid because of his record, because of the threat of them getting knocked out and possibly never being the same again after he hits them. Uh, What a threat he is. I'm real happy for him. Uh, You know, He's a savage inside the octagon, but talking to him uh, outside of the octagon, uh, he really is as nice as can be. Uh, he's an excellent father, a guy who really has uh, changed his life around. Um, so very happy to see him get the win.
0: Yeah, he's been through some stuff. I mean, I remember, yeah. Kenny, when we were in Minneapolis in October to call his fight. I don't know if it was against Eve Edwards, but he was arrested day of, remember, at yes. the host hotel and, and you know 14 elementary schools. But he really is a great guy, right? Like this isn't some asshole who was trying to land one final seminal blow like there really is a good guy in there and isn't it funny that the guy who conor mcgregor said who the fuck is that guy is on the cusp of featherweight title contention i mean what are the odds because he certainly wasn't uh when conor threw that liner out there all right jessica andrage i mean do you know what this woman would do to someone like me kenny (laughs) never mind what she was like a lawn chair kid i mean she is strong And all due respect to the great Tisha Torres in defeat. I'm excited to see what she can do, knowing she can survive 15 minutes through hell with Jessica Andrade. But how about the pile driver? Seven takedowns, just relentless in that pocket. Um, You know, and Torres really didn't have much more than a scratch on her. But this Jessica Andrade is something else, man. I mean, I I just, I find it hard to believe that as long as she stays healthy that she wouldn't at some point have a belt around her waist. She is that good to me. When, when she gets going
3: and when she warms up, man, she is a problem. And I tell you what, Tisha Torres fought a hell of a fight. Yeah. She fought an excellent it, fight. I don't know if she could have fought a better fight from the skills that she has, right, that, that she came in with. She fought a brilliant fight. Um, I, I thought she probably won that. First round, um, uh, you know Andrage at the end, you know with that takedown, you know, right. uh, you know even things up. But, anyways, after that, uh, once Andrade started heating up and, and those takedowns, there's no one who could stop those. Once she gets in on those legs, man, it, it's wild. She's just so much stronger. Tisha Torres is extremely strong for that division. She's you know, she's, she's very athletic. She moves real well. But Andraj, like I said, heading into that fight, she's just a different kind of beast. She's, she's too nasty. She's too strong. Um, and, and when you talk about a division that is still developing as far as the women's divisions, you know, um, it hasn't been around as long as the, as the men's divisions, obviously. So, you know, the skill, ta- the, the talent, the skill level, uh, it's growing. It's getting there. Um, yeah. So when you have a, a woman that's as athletic, strong, and as aggressive uh, as Andraj, that goes a very long way. Um, and she showed that again. I, I mean, yeah. just stayed calm. Anything she got hit with, and Torres was landing shots. There was no change of expression on Dra's face. It was like, yeah, this is normal. I'm yeah. just, you know, right. taking right. a shower. I'm fine. Yeah. Waiting in line for a sandwich. It, 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 there, there was no change of expression. She's just, she's an animal. Right.
0: It was as if she was getting hit by me, and you're right. Say what you want about the women's game, and and people will say what they want about the women's game. But when you are watching the truly elite fighters, the top five in at least two of these three divisions, it, it really is a sight to behold. But that was my favorite that, fight of the night. That yeah, was my favorite fight no, of the night, and, and, by and the way. it was the fight that jumped off the card for me when yeah. it, when the main card w- was announced. So for sure, uh, yeah. we will have to table that though for a second because now with us on the guest line, the day before he travels to Vegas to corner the great Frankie Edgar at UFC 222, head coach to the stars and truly one of the better people that Ken Flo and I have met in this mixed martial arts world, this crazy fucking world. The (laughs) great Mark Henry joins us. My man, how are you this Monday?
4: What's going on, guys?
0: Oh, man, never a dull moment. We spent the first half hour of the show talking about this Jeremy Stevens-Josh Emmett business. I don't know if you care to comment on that, but it just seems like every weekend we're talking about something rules-related or judge-related or referee-related. Thankfully, Josh Emmett's okay, but obviously a lot to digest over the weekend, my man.
4: Yeah, I, I, I thought that um, I thought the elbow was clean. I, I know that they talked about that. D.C. talked about that after because
1: he was putting right. his head
4: down but the knee, the knee was definitely illegal. But I, I just think the knee really had nothing to do with, you know, the times that he got hurt. You know, so you know, I'd hate to see, uh, uh, you know, Stevens take a loss from something that I don't think, you know, had, you know, had to deal with the finish of that because I think regardless of that knee, because the it looked to me like he missed forward, but he caught after, but um, you know, on his way back. But I just feel like, um, you know. He, The times that you saw him really hurt were from other punches and blows, not from the knee.
3: Mark, how is Frankie doing? He's been fighting a very long time. Uh, He's done some amazing things in this sport. How is his hunger, how is his body heading into this fight uh, against a guy like Brian Ortega?
4: Man, first of all, I didn't know this was about Frankie. I thought this was about me huh. receiving my five pound, my five pound gold uh, trophy <laughs> that you guys bestowed upon me. I, th- I, th- oh, I yes, thought, oh yes, that's, that's what really was. Right. Right. I was waiting hear. in the mail.
0: I was waiting the right.
4: and it didn't come. So I figured, <laughs> you know, you guys were going to hand me over that big
3: fat trophy. I, I'm making it by hand right now. I'm making it by hand by now. I'm waiting for the gold <laughs> to come in. Yeah, 18 karat. It takes a lot. It, it's hard to work with.
4: <laughs> but thanks so much for that, man. That definitely coming from you, too, bro. It, meant, uh, it totally meant a lot. A guy that's been in four divisions, and, and not only four divisions, but was at the tip of the top in those four divisions, man, the best of the best. So just a uh, throw out to thank you for that. I tweeted, but I, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, it really meant a lot to me. Thank you, man. But, um, but pretending that other guy, that other guy, Frankie, yeah, you know, it's funny the way you ask the question, because so many people ask me, you know, how many years he has left and, and so on and so forth. And I just, when I see him, I see him as an Ortega. I see him as, you know, this, you know, phenom, this, this kid that's, that's coming up, that's hungry and working hard and, uh, getting better every day. And I see him like that, or a guy like Zabit that we have, who's young and, and just getting better all the time. And I, that's how I see Frankie in, in, in my eyes, you know. Um, you know, he, he's always this kid. I've been mean, with him 13 years. He never misses a practice, always there first, last one to leave, eyes wide open, always wants to try new stuff. I mean, he, there's no difference in him than any, you know, white belt or new guy that you have in the gym. So when you have that hunger and that drive, and just the progression, you know, I, I just think, man, I, I really don't know when this kid stops. And, and he's looking phenomenal, pertaining to your question.
3: That, that's great to hear, man. You know, what's exciting about this fight is that I don't think either of these guys have really faced one that's like the other. You know, I I think, I don't think Frankie's faced someone like Ortega. I don't think Ortega's faced someone quite like Frankie Edgar either. Uh, what are some of the things that you, you guys are working on in preparation for this fight?
4: Well, you know, originally, um, everybody knows it was supposed to be Max. And, you know, they do have some similarities, you know. Um, they're almost the same height with well, Max, a little taller. And, you know, they both like to fight, you know. They're both, you know, I look at both these guys, you know, as, as, as amazing fighters. You know, especially Max, man, just have so much, um, you know, as a kid, man, I really look up to Max and what he's done and how he's got there and what he's done since he's had the title. Like, this kid is just fearless. And uh, his game has just just gone to another level. And, you know, when you prepare for someone like Max, I just think that you're just ready for anybody, man. So, you know, preparing for Max and trying to, you know, game plan and get to beating someone like Max, you know, I just think prepares you for, for anybody in the world. I think he's that good. And I think Ortega's amazing too. And to to tell you the similarities, I remember BJ and we were so scared and, and you can remember back with BJ. I mean, he didn't lose, you know, uh, when he was a 55 pertaining to 55 and stopping everybody and, And um, he was just amazing, and and everybody was scared to death of his jiu-jitsu. So it reminds me a little bit of that fight when we first fought BJ. You know, like, don't give your back or watch your neck going in for a shot and, um, you know, those things. But we're really confident with Frankie. You know, Ricardo Almeida, you know, has been with Frankie forever and Henzo Gracie, you know. So when you have that type of jiu-jitsu, man, like, people don't understand Frankie's a black belt also, and his jiu-jitsu is excellent, man.
0: Mark Henry with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. He, of course, will be in Frankie Edgar's corner this Saturday night when he faces Brian T. City Ortega. I know you're a huge football guy and a big Buffalo Bills fan, so I'll ask you a question about advanced scouting, right? As soon as Max Holloway is out and you guys know you want to preserve that March 3rd date, I mean, you got to think Ortega is a guy who's on the short list. How much advanced scouting are you guys doing so that when something like this pops up, you're ready to, you know, hit the ground, Bill Belichick style, hit it running.
4: <laughs> well, you know, anybody who you know who's in the top five or 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 whatnot, or you know, is rising up, and you know that could be up for a next title shot or whatnot. You know, you try to stay a couple steps ahead. So you know, oh, I'm always checking out. McCar and I were just always checking out like those guys around were certain guys in our camps that could fight or possibly fight. So definitely had an eye on this kid and, and we're watching his fights before this fight. And you know, when this when Max went down, you know, we uh, you know asked for, first to see if maybe uh, uh, Connor was out there and number two, we said, you know, who's up next for the title shot? You know, want the best guy? You know, that's what Frankie wanted. And you know, the next best, the next guy in line was uh, Ortega. And that's who Frankie wanted. You know, and that's you know, I kind of commend all our guys on our team. You know, like uh, Edson Barboza fighting Khabib. Like, you know, our guys want the best guys, and I commend them for that. You know, and that's how you know. That's how it was when you came up. I, I know you fought the best of the best. So you know, that's a, kind of our still old school mentality.
0: Camilo never ducked anyone. Never, ever, marked.
4: And he did not. Never. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. And I, I got to tell you, I don't know. I, uh, and I was scared to death. And I used to watch so much tape on Kenny. because I, I thought it was inevitable that oh. him and Frankie got together. And I told Kenny that, too. Uh, how I would watch tape on him because I'm like, man, it's just it's the next fight or the fight after or the fight after. So I watched a ton of fight on Kenny and Kenny could, was one of those guys that could do it all on the ground or standing. He, he was uh, kicking very well, so he was southpaw. So you know, he I was a little nervous uh, at those times. Thankfully, I and didn't I have to deal with that one. Watching a lot of tape on Kenny.
3: Thankfully, I didn't have to deal with that monster in my career. So
4: <laughs> well, I thought it was definitely going to happen. I know, right? I know. Didn't, right? Didn't, I know. You
3: know? I know. How did that not happen?
4: I have no idea. But yeah. I watched a ton of your tapes. I thought it was inevitable.
0: <laughs> well, I hope Kenny won't be mad when I say this, but absolutely, it was on Ken Flo's radar. We used to walk through the halls at ESPN, dude, and I would say to him, "I was like, dude, dude, you got to get in there with that Edgar. You know, we used to talk about that <laughs> fight all the time. Yeah. You know." Uh, oh, I thought it was definitely another, happening.
4: That's why you say hi. You know, back then, too, when everybody was a little meaner, everybody's more nice now. Well, yes. You just put your hand up like hi to him, but you wouldn't talk to Kenny. You
0: wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't, wouldn't say hi or anything. You know, you used to be cordial, but not nice. And that's how it was back then. Yep. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you said it because Truth be told, in those ESPN halls, I would say, dude, fuck these Jersey guys, right? Like, go <laughs> beat Frankie Edgar's ass. That's what we were saying. <laughs> so you're right. It is much more cordial now. So I got a problem with Boston anyway With are doing with the exactly. patients, yeah, I got a problem, got a problem so- with
4: Boston guys anyway.
0: So uh so unfortunately Florian Edgar na- did, did not come together and the same can be said for a Conor McGregor Frankie Edgar fight. Now I know you did take issue with an Instagram post that Conor put out there last week. He wrote I put my name forward to step in at UFC 222 to face Frankie Edgar when Max Holloway pulled out, but I was told there wasn't enough time to generate the money that the UFC would need and I was excited about bouncing in last minute to take out the final featherweight yada yada yada. Um You said, and you said it here on our airwaves, that you guys asked for Conor McGregor specifically, and he also asked for the fight. I know you've given Conor a lot of respect for the fighter and the work ethic, and you even did so in this post. But what was your biggest issue with with him posting that he had offered himself up to face your guy?
4: Oh, I just think it's corny. You know, it's just just corny. You know, like we, we have Frankie asked for it. You know, he Khan is the president, and he's the president or vice president. You tell me a fight that he wants that he's not going to get. You know, that doesn't have some insane or ridiculous circumstances to it. I mean, you tell me if that guy wants to fight Frankie, they're going to say no. Or he, he wants to fight anybody, he, 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 and he's pretty much almost vice president. You know, of the organization. So you know, right. but you know, we're full. You know, without so when you saw it, there was like there was three different times he could have fought Frankie, and he said no each time. So. I just thought it was ridiculous. You know, we, we, you know we're full head go on Ortega. takers to a killer, man. So that's all we're, you know, concentrating on, but just, you know, just to say Frankie's name like that, cause I know he's, you know, posting stuff about Max. And I think man, Max is such a, uh, an, an amazing champion, a guy that's defended, a guy that, you know, that said, you know, Hey, you gotta, you know, who, who earned his title shot. And, um, who earned his title shot and, and they keep saying, Fight one more and the kid would keep fighting, no problem, we'll just keep winning. So, you know, I have so much respect for a champion like him and and, you know, he puts out that, you know, posts on him and then they did one on Frankie. So, you know, it's just just thought enough was enough.
0: All right, I'll get you out of here on this. I know how excited you are for this weekend. It's obviously gonna be a busy three months for you with a lot of fighters in the UFC and in other promotions, but this is Frankie Edgar we're talking about, right? This is the Iron Army. This is the the face, uh, the future Hall of Famer. What are Mark Henry's emotions like uh, when you make this walk with Frankie Edgar, whether it's a title fight or otherwise?
4: Um, one of the things is just look straight forward. Don't look around. Look straight forward. And, and I'll uh, check out my arm a little bit. I write some things down on my arm that we've gone throughout the whole camp and, and definitely, uh, you know, are concentrating on and just, you know, just – and usually when they announce the guys, I go down a little early to get my seat and, and start concentrating. And, uh, you know, that's about it, just concentrate on what Frankie's going to do and uh, and concentrate on him more than anything and what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, you know. And, and I believe he's – like I said, man, He he's just getting better every day, man. Like I think his – especially his uh, stand-up's gotten – so much better in the last year where you know i've corrected some things so i'm really pumped up for this fight and you got to be pumped for a guy like ortega who who i think is an amazing fighter and comes to fight and comes to finish so you know it's an exciting fight
0: and to your point not a lot of guys willing to fight frankie edgar on about a month's notice so uh i know you tip your cap to t city for that all right we appreciate your time my man all the best to you and frankie i look forward to uh to shaking your hand friday at the way and if not sooner thank you for the time sir
4: Take it easy, guys. Thanks so much, man. And uh, I'll be looking for uh, – I, I keep looking at my mailbox. Don't worry, though. Uh, That's probably,
0: right. It's probably got to be signed.
4: It's probably at the post office. You know, <laughs> something like that, they got to hear off. That's right.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, though, guys. Thanks, Mark. There he All is. Right, later, Ken Flows 2017 Coach of the Year. Well-deserved. Robert Follis Cornerman of the Year. That's right. Uh, the great Mark Henry. But, dude, we used to talk about that fight between you and Frankie quite a bit. And I always thought it was
3: going to happen, man. I always yeah. thought it was going to happen. So uh, it's funny that it never did. But Frankie was just a, a, a beast back in the day, man.
0: And just interesting, also, what his career held after you retired, because I know you've said some. Still a beast. I don't know why like, I said
3: he, he was a beast back in the day. I meant when I was fighting. You know of, what course. I mean?
0: no, yeah. of course, no, of course. But and I know you. You. Uh, <laughs> Maybe he would have been more of a problem uh, than those of us on Team Florian thought he would have been back then. But I know you and I were very excited at the possibility yeah. of, uh, of taking out Frankie Edgar. Um, so we're going to make some picks here on UFC 222 in a second. First, though, give me a minute to tell you about Mattress Firm, if you would. Everyone knows how important stretching is before an event. Well, so does Mattress Firm, except it's your dollar. Your budget stretches further when you're shopping at America's neighborhood mattress store. It's a true home run, and you'll have a ball. They're the head coaches when it comes to mattress expertise. But know this, they're more than mattress experts. They have a game plan that helps you transform your mattress into a bed. From adjustable bases and sheets to headboards and bedroom decor, they have you literally and figuratively covered up like your favorite cornerback. Go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to see what deals are happening as I read this sentence to you. They even offer you a 120-night sleep trial to ensure perfection and a 120-night low-price guarantee so you know you paid the perfect price. Talk about a one-two punch, a knockout, if you will. Score big with a perfect bed. Head to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to get the play-by-play on how you can monumentally improve your sleep today, tonight, and tomorrow. All right, now it is time to make some picks for UFC 222. Let's get to the main event challenge.
1: The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights! I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main
0: event challenge.
1: The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast.
0: See, Flo, that's about what your voice sounded like when you were getting ready to fight Frankie Edgar. Woof!
3: I'm going to do everything possible to win.
0: (laughs) Just wait. After yelling at a kid for a couple years, you'll be like, true!
2: Get in here.
0: telling you. People think my voice is all beat up from calling fights. It's, it's from yelling at children. Kids. No, I'm, I'm not much of a yeller. I'm not. I don't see uh, that. All right. Yeah. So with much of your film study not yet complete, are you working the desk this weekend for UFC 222?
3: I don't think so.
0: All right. Well, that's good. So then you don't have to do a bunch of film stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. I, so that's I guess, good. I, don't know. We're, yeah. I mean, we're making you make eight selections today without oh. the benefit of much film study. Oh. So um, – so, Let's get you the standings first. Team Anik led Team Florian 24-17. Uh, you beat Johnny Zacek Ken Flo. I did. You won. Yeah, 4-3. Uh, so he got you on Brian Kelleher versus Hennon Brow. Big two points, though, for the flow uh, on Alir Latifi as underdog. Yeah. So you win the week. It's now 27-21. Team Anik heading into UFC 222. We will get to Kelleher and some of the Orlando stuff on the way out, but we're sure. making picks right now and joining us for that exercise. Actually, Flo here, one of the more loyal listeners to our podcast, maybe even a day oneer. if i like not I like him already.
3: I like him already.
0: And I think he's from the great state of Ohio, which we won't hold against him. Uh, Josh Penland is with us. Josh, how are you, my friend?
5: Hey, John. I'm happy to be here and uh, excited to be talking with you and Flow
0: Thrilled to have you on, my man, and we do appreciate your support over the last couple of years. Let's get right to it. First fight you will see on pay-per-view this weekend – Kat Zingano back for the first time in a long time since UFC 200. That was July of 2016. She is the even money underdog here on a Monday against Ketlin Vieta, undefeated 26 year old out of Manaus Vieta three and oh, the UFC submitted Sarah McMahon as a pretty significant underdog. Her last time out, that was in September. So Josh, who do you like here in the main card opener, Ketlin Vieta or the returning Kat Zingano?
5: Uh, you know, it's, nice to see Kat get back in the octagon she's been out for some time although I don't think that this is going to be a good matchup for her I think that uh Ketlin she's coming in with a lot of momentum I think that she's going to be uh, the better striker on her feet and I think that as you mentioned um in the broadcast many times she's a Brazilian wrestling champ and I think that that's only going to benefit her in this matchup so give me the favorite here
0: Look at Josh just bringing it right out of the goddamn chute. Ketlin Vieta (laughs) for Josh as a slight favorite, Ken Flo. Katzingano, again, also in my top five if I'm going to an alley. It's me, Keith Peterson, Katzingano. We got three spots left. Uh, Kenny, what do you think about Katzingano here in this returning spot against a pretty talented Brazilian?
3: Well, you know, it's hard to know what kind of Katzingano we're going to see. We haven't seen her in a little while. One thing we know is, is that she is so tough, and she's very strong. She's big for the division. Um, But Ketlin Vieira, I think she's something else. Uh, These fighters, these Brazilian fighters from Manaus, they're just traditionally known as being tough as hell. Uh, I'm going to go with Ketlin Vieira, Jacare Souza from that same uh, location in Brazil. Um, I think Vieira is going to get the win here.
0: All right, next up in the heavyweight division, boys, Stefan Struve, minus 225 favorite here for what is his 20th UFC appearance against the former champion Andre Arlovsky. Uh, We'll actually have a nice little retrospective on the pay-per-view broadcast for the Pitbull this weekend, so you want to tune in for that. Arlovsky now 39. He is on a one-fight winning streak. You all remember the diaper fight, Junior Albini. Arlovsky plus 175. Josh, for you, any value for the Pitbull here against Stefan Strew?
5: You know, um, God bless Arlovsky. The guy's been fighting Forever. Um, I just think Struve, he's going to utilize his reach. He's going to stay on the outside. Um, And I think at some point in this fight, he's going to with a nice straight right hand. He's going to put the chinny Arlovsky out. So I'm going to have to stick with the favorite again here, Struve. And hopefully Struve can work his way back up so uh, my guy Stipe can get a shot at that rematch.
0: Yeah, can get that rematch, Kenny. And I remember that first fight all too well. Main event in Nottingham, England, September 29, 2012 yet I can't remember anything in life that I need to, but somehow that date sticks out there. Ken Flo, Struve's won two of three. He was stopped by Alexander Volkov his last time out. Your thoughts on Struve and Arlovsky coming up Saturday night.
3: Give me some dice. I'm about to throw them right now. (laughs) Uh, You know, Stefan Struve and Arlovsky, they're kind of inconsistent, right? I think Stefan Struve, um, the guy's almost seven feet tall, but, you know, you always expect him to use his reach to uh, its Mac, but, he, he doesn't. I, I think he should have a much sharper jab than what he has. I think he should use those kicks down the middle a lot more than what he uses. Um, if he does that, absolutely, he should beat Arlovsky, uh, who, you know, at, at this point in the heavyweight division, you can get knocked out by any shot. But, you know, he, he has been hurt a, a few times prior to his last uh, win. I think he was he lost like five in a row, Um this is a tough one. I think both these guys could win this fight by knockout. I think both these guys can finish this fight.
0: Um, I got to make a pick here. I'll go with Struve. Going Stefan Struve. I thought he was maybe going to roll the dice and take the underdog there. Yeah. And remember too, and a lot of handicappers and gamblers will tell you, you're betting the number and not the fighter. And especially in our system here. Uh I thought one of you might might lean Arlovsky, yeah. but a couple chalk picks there with Stefan Struve. All right. Pretty good fight here. Andre Sukumtot, the minus one hundred forty five favorite against the Sugar Show. sugar sean O'Malley, who is plus one fifteen. Sukumtot can flow out of wound socket, Rhode Island. Stop Luke Sanders in his last fight. That was in December. That result likely why he is favored here against Snoop Dogg's one time smoking partner, Sean O'Malley, <laughs> won his UFC debut over Terry Ware in December. So, Josh, relatively close fight here, at least according to the odds makers. Which way you going, O'Malley or Sukumta?
5: Yeah, I think O'Malley, he's super entertaining to watch. He's kind of got a wild style. Um, I think this is definitely like a fight of the night potential kind of fight. Although, I'm going to have to go with uh, Toth here. I think that he's just a more technical striker, and he's demonstrated in his fights that he's got a lot of power in his hands. And a wild striker, he's going to leave his chin open. Um, I think that he might catch O'Malley here and get the win. So, I'm going to have to stick with the favorite once again.
0: Ken Flo, Tot. O'Malley, which way are you going?
3: Josh, I thought you threw me off there, man. I
0: thought you were go, actually wrote down O'Malley. Yeah,
3: I thought you were gonna go with O'Malley. I am gonna go with Sukum as well, man. Um I'm gonna go with the fellow East Coaster. Um I, I think this is a guy who is now coming into his own. He's had some bad decisions, some bad fights uh, go the other way. Now coming off that big win, a, a tremendous knockout win. Um, I, I think that's going to be a nice confidence builder for him. Um, O'Malley, he is reckless. He is dangerous, but he is reckless. Um, I also didn't like the way uh, he came in uh, for his last fight against Ware. He seemed a little bit tired, uh, gassed a, a little bit early for for my liking. Not going to be able to do that against Todd who comes in tremendous shape um i I think he gets the win
0: all right a couple plays there for andre sukham slight favorite at least as we record here on monday all right co-main event how good is this frankie edgar minus 190 brian t city ortega plus 155 you know the book on ortega undefeated 13 and 0 with that one no contest Stepping in on about a month's notice, it seemed like Holloway pulled out around the Super Bowl, and he takes on the legend here, the future Hall of Famer, Frankie Edgar. Haven't seen Edgar since the Yair Rodriguez fight. It was a dominant one, but it was all the way back in May of 2017 in Dallas. About a nine-month layoff for Edgar. Not a guy who you really worry about when it comes to time away, extended time away from the octagon. Ortega, outstanding current form. Josh, enough for you to pull the trigger on T-City. How do you see the Comain playing out here in Vegas?
5: You know, I'm super excited for this fight, and the UFC did a great job of putting this one together late. Um, I'm a big Frankie Edgar fan, and going into this, I was going to pick Frankie Edgar. Um, I watched uh, Ortega and Guida, and I just think Brian Ortega is just going to be too much for Frankie. I mean, the guy is so calm. He's so composed. We know what he does whenever you take him to the ground. And I just looked at Frankie Edgar's history, and it seems like every time Edgar doesn't take somebody down and beat him up a little bit. He just, he doesn't come out as a winner in that fight. So I'm going to go with the dog here. I'm going to go with Brian Ortega to keep his, uh, to keep his zero. And he's going to be due for a huge fight after beating a legend like Frankie.
0: Oh, he beats Frankie Edgar. He's fighting Max Holloway next. Uh, Josh, pretty convicted there on Brian Ortega, Ken flow. I would imagine this fight isn't the easiest one on the card for you to pick a winner in or, or am I wrong about that?
3: No, I really like both these guys. I, I, you know, um, I think that Ortega has a tremendous amount of momentum right now. Taking a fight on month's notice, though, uh, against a guy like Frankie Edgar, who has seen it all in the octagon, might be asking too much. Uh, I think that Frankie has a lot of training partners who can mimic what Ortega can do. I don't know if Ortega has a lot of training partners that can mimic what Frankie Edgar can do and the kind of energy uh, and aggression that he brings into the octagon. Um I think, you know, as far as the reach advantage, Ortega needs to be able to maximize that the best that he can, keep Frankie all the way on the outside, uh, and as soon as he gets taken down, if he gets taken down, to immediately transition into, uh, you know, a triangle or one of those nasty guillotines that he possesses. Um, If he does get into that front headlock position against Frankie, Frankie might be in a hell of a lot of trouble. Ortega is so quick, whether he has the arm in or out, that guillotine is just tremendous. Uh, he's very well trained, uh, of course, by uh, Henner and on Gracie. Um, but uh, I-, I think Frankie gets it done, man. I think Frankie gives us another big reminder of who he is and what kind of fighter he is. Um, I think he's very motivated to try to get that belt at 145, um, and he yeah. likes
0: that matchup against Max Holloway. Um, I-, I-, I think Frankie Edgar gets the win here. Just think it could be a crazy fight, right? Every time Frankie shoots and if he successfully lands, immediately T-City is going to be trying to secure something. I mean, I just think it it shapes up as a great matchup. It's also interesting because it seemed like Ortega Kenny could have fought Josh Emmett and wanted this Frankie Edgar fight on short notice, right? So uh, I understand the value, of course, of fighting Frankie Edgar, but it seemed like maybe a win over Emmett might have accomplished the same thing, at least in terms of the pecking order if you look at the top five right now. Needless to say... Edgar Ortega, they're going to shut the damn door behind him Saturday night. I can't wait to have a front row seat. All right, main event. So Chris Cyborg, guys, minus 1,800. One of the biggest betting favorites in the history of the UFC, taking on Yana Kunitskaya, the Jackson Wink MMA-trained Yana Kunitskaya, plus 850. Cyborg, five hard rounds in December against Holly Holm, turning around quickly for the promotion here uh what do you do with this one josh and of course it's the main event we'll need the method of victory in the round as well
5: you know there's so much value on yana i really debated um picking her but i just don't want to be that guy come the (laughs) end of the
3: year and team annex down by half a point and i picked
4: against (laughs) tyborg
3: they're up uh, you can make you can take those chances josh he has a big (laughs) lead right now a huge lead. you you could you could make an historic pick here josh
5: you know, as historic as that might be, I mean, she's minus 1,800 for a reason. Um, I think I'm going to take Cyborg. Let's go round two knockout.
0: All right, Cyborg by round two knockout. Normally on this show, when we've had a fight price like this, we've tried to figure out some prop bet that's a little bit closer, right? And I'd imagine it'd be over under a round and a half or something like that. Um, Kenny Cyborg Kunitskaya, who's the pick to click?
3: He didn't take the bait, did he, John? We they almost got it. I tried <laughs> I tried to get him to I try to convince him, but Why don't you, uh,
0: Well can I just say though Josh Simmons guy yeah. if, if, if the problem is see the because it's a main event right you can get a point for the the method of victory in the round as well so the yes. potential to win 3 points with Cyborg but if Kunitskaya wins, even if you get the method and the round wrong, you get nine points mm-hmm. in our system. Mm-hmm. So maybe you should be the guy we're trying to compel <laughs> to take Yana Kunitskaya I know, this weekend. I know. I know. Well, now I can't pick the second round,
3: can I? we. Uh, right? You know what? I'm going to go with the first round. <laughs> I'm going to go with the first round stoppage by Cyborg. Listen, I think Kunitskaya, she's well-rounded. She's aggressive. Uh, but she's just not the kind of athlete that Cyborg is. She has a decent arm lock as well. She upset Tanya Evinger, which kind of uh, put her on the map. But Chris Cyborg is just a different level of athlete. She's a different kind of fighter. She's just better technically everywhere. There's no way I can be. I, I can pick Yana Kunitskaya. Uh, um, I, I think she'll do some damage in the division, but not against Cyborg. Uh,
0: I, I pick a first-round stoppage by Cyborg. All right, Ken Flo, round one KO for Cyborg. Ken Flo going with the broadcaster's dream this weekend. First-round finish in the main event. <laughs> All right, quick picks on the way out. No analysis needed. Of course, if you want to give me a couple cents, I will certainly take them. Mackenzie Dern, minus 285 for her UFC debut against Ashley Yoder, who is plus 225. Josh, who do you like?
5: Um, give me Mackenzie Dern. If you can find a prop for her to win by submission, play that for <laughs> some more value.
0: Dern likes excuse me, Josh Stern by submission. Kenny, you know about this Wellington Megatone Gios, her father? Yes. Big am in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu I, community?
3: Absolutely. The guy's an absolute beast. Um, he's been competing forever. Um, he's a guy I know very well. I was uh, hanging out with him in Abu Dhabi uh, last year. Oh, really? Uh, just an awesome dude. Um, tremendous competitor. Um, actually, Mackenzie's mom is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt as well. Um, so, obviously, uh, she's gr- she grew up on the mats. Um yeah. As far as you know, Ashley Yoder, I think she's a tough out for her for, for a debut. It's not an easy debut for Mackenzie Dern, but I think Mackenzie does get the win by submission. O- on the mat, there's just no one. There's Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts, and then there's world-class Brazilian jiu-jitsu be- black belts. Mackenzie Dern is just that, uh, absolutely world-class uh, in jiu-jitsu and, and not afraid to get in the pocket and, and throw down either. So um, right. I-, I think Mackenzie wins this. Um, Ashley, uh, just a lovely girl, but... Um, I think Mackenzie's going to be a little bit too much for her on the mat.
0: Mackenzie Dern right now minus two eighty-five. Big weekend for our buddy Danny Rube, by the way. Ruby Sports and Entertainment, one of the managers in the MMA game. He's got Sugar Sean O'Malley and Mackenzie Dern on the card. Might be the biggest weekend of Danny Rube's managerial career huge. in the UFC. So we wish our buddy Danny Rube Good all the best. Uh, all right, next quick pick, boys. Uh, boys, John Dodson minus one sixty. Pedro Munoz plus 130. Of course, this fight was to go down several yeah. weeks ago. Munoz missed weight. Uh, now, Munoz, the dog here, despite four straight wins, three of them by submission. Dodson off the loss by split decision to Marlon Moraes, also dropped a split decision to Lineker, Kenny. So, Dodson staring at losses in three of his last four if he loses to Munoz here. Uh, Josh, which way are you going with the favorite, Dodson or the dog Munoz? Uh, give me the dog Munoz. Right, Muñoz for Josh Kenflo. who do you like
3: Yeah, I'm going to go with Muñoz as well. Uh, unfortunately, to not going the other way, but yeah, I, I think Muñoz has a lot to gain here. I think he has a lot to, you know, in this fight to prove himself uh, you know, to everybody
0: and and uh right that wrong. All right, last pick here, Hector Lombard favored at a minus 170 clip to get his first win since 2014 when wow. he beat Jake Shields. Wow. Lombard, four-fight skidder here. He'll try to end it against CB Dalloway, who is plus 140. Dalloway back for the first time since they went over Ed Herman last July. Josh Penland, who will it be? Dalloway, Lombard.
5: Uh, I think CB is going to survive an early storm. He's going to get the
0: win. All right,
5: CB plus 140 dogs.
0: for Josh. Kenflo. which way are you going? I'm going to go with Lombard
3: here. I, I think CB uh, has the skills to win this fight. Um, you know, not going to be an easy guy to, to get taken down or anything like that. But I, I think he gets intimidated by guys like Lombard who, who kind of walk him down a little bit. So um, I, I think mentally
0: he has an uphill battle. I, I like Lombard in this one. All right, Josh Penland. Great job on the picks. I like the analysis. I like that, you know, just got a nice sound to you, man. Not trying to do too much. So, uh, hey, you beat Ken Flow back to back. You can be sure we'll be calling your number again. Thanks for stepping up for us and uh, enjoy the pay-per-view, man.
5: I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, thank you for being an MMA podcast that spits out MMA week in and week out. And uh, all of us listeners appreciate it, and we appreciate you.
0: You're Thanks man, so much, Josh. man. Appreciate him Thanks. saying Take that. Take You guys. Know, because I think a lot of people don't totally understand that this is a passion project, right? This yeah. is not a massive moneymaker for us, at least right now. I mean, eventually I'm hoping to line my pockets all courtesy of the Anakin Florian podcast. But <laughs> we want to be here weekly. Of course, when something like Stevens and Emmett happens, it's nice for us to have a platform to, to engage the listeners. Yes. But, you know, by and large, this is sort of a, a mutual relationship. Us and the listeners, we're here for them, and, and they're here for us. And and that's something that we appreciate and don't lose sight of and don't take for granted. Definitely. All right, a couple other things here, Kenny, on the way out. And, and I don't know how much time you have, but Alir Latifi with a huge win against Oban St. Prue, the standing guillotine choke there. And looked like St. Prue was tapping on the other side eventually he goes unconscious huge upset for max griffin i feel like you almost need to look at these fight cards blind and find the biggest underdog and just play him or her every fight card because so much happens in this sport that you can't predict but max griffin spoils the homecoming of platinum mike perry so another couple big winners there on the main card for sure alir latifi and uh max payne griffin
3: yeah you know uh, sometimes sometimes you look at stats and sometimes you look at you know, what, what a fighter has done in the last few fights. And you say, well, yeah, this fighter has momentum. This fighter should get the win. But you have to look at the style of the matchup. Um, you have to look at how these guys match up. Um, I, I think that for OSP, he gets most of his work done on the mat. That's how he gets his wins, either by TKO. Yes, he he hit that knockout with the, with the kick uh, in his last fight prior to Latifi. But th- th- that's more rare, in my opinion. That That's not something that um, OSP is necessarily known for. Um, you know, obviously, he's known for his choke. He's known for his ground and pound. He's known for his ability to kind of control you on the mat. I didn't think he was going to be able to do that against Latifi, put him on his back. Uh, Latifi hits very hard, and OSP holds those hands very low. Um, it always seems like in every exchange, he seems very hesitant. So I, I that's why I liked Latifi. He ended up pulling through for me. Um, yeah, big yeah. shot, you know, calling out Daniel Cormier definitely
0: doesn't deserve it, <laughs> but uh, I like the passion. I like the passion. Uh, well, it's, uh, yeah. it's yeah. tricky because he's won two in a row, I think, but he's won four or five or five of six. And one of the few guys that hasn't had a shot. I know Gustafson, his teammate obviously is there. Yeah. and right there are there are names in front of him but <laughs> yeah. it's for Saint- Prue too that would have been a four straight win for him and you can be sure he would have been calling out Cormier for as well sure. and I think they're also in a position where that title might be vacant right so they feel like they need to put themselves on the short list and at least with that win Latifi I guess accomplish that and for max griffin kenny unfortunately i think for him the bigger story for people is going to be platinum mike perry and maybe some unrealized potential at least right now he's 26 years old a lot of us didn't love this as a quick turnaround after the santiago pontinebio fight in which he absorbed a lot of damage but after not being able to fight in his native detroit you can be sure he was going to land on this orlando show and unfortunately he's on the wrong side of the scorecards here certainly thought max griffin deserved to win big night for griffin Um, have, has any of your enthusiasm on Perry been curbed and did you have as much enthusiasm as some of us did and still do for platinum Mike Perry as to what he might be able to do?
3: Yeah. Listen, I don't think this was a good fight for Perry. I I thought, um, I I mean, great performance for Perry. I thought it was a good fight, a good matchup for him. Um, but he just did not fight very well. It seemed like it took him. Uh, 10 minutes to kind of wake up and get into this fight. He was forcing that knockout way too much. When you have power, it's so easy to fall in love with it. But it's always going to be there. Stop trying to force a knockout. Throw more than one strike. Throw more than two strikes. Get in there. Throw combinations. Slip your head off the center line. Enter and throw those shots on the inside. Perry was just looking for a big bomb. Uh, Griffin was seeing it coming from a mile away. He was able to use his length. He was using his legs very well, I thought, to, to keep Perry on the outside. He was moving relatively well, circling away. Um, from Perry, and Perry, by the time he realized he could win the fight, um, there just wasn't a whole lot of time left, so I think for Perry, he has to get used to really throwing his combinations much better, feinting his way in, sharpening up his wrestling as far as the takedowns go. Um, I was surprised that he ended that first round in mount very easily, uh, and then just really didn't have a good entry in for his takedown for the rest of the fight. Just kind of right. was really trying to uh, power in his way into those takedowns. Uh, Griffin was able to stop a lot of those takedowns, keep it on the feet, and just outpoint him. I thought it was a nice strategy from Griffin. Very respectful guy um, and, and got the win. But uh, Perry just kind of needs to go, uh, you know, really reevaluate his game. Go back to the fundamentals. Go back to yeah. the
0: fundamentals. He's going to do that, too. He's going to take yeah. some time off. And I did think that you saw some improvements in his cardio. And, and I do think that at 26 years old, there is still time. And yes. and we'll see how far Max Griffin can take this thing now that he's a full time fighter as well. All right. A couple things on the prelims. And it was a big night for Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, Kenny, for for Ronnie Yaya, Ooh. the criminally underappreciated Ronnie Yaya, another win for him. 10th UFC win, this one by Arm Triangle, one of the best Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners in the game still. Um, Marion Renault with a submission of Sarah McMahon. This is a 40-year-old woman who is a high school teacher who got a very late start in mixed martial arts. I know she has some limitations on the feet, but this is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, Kenny, who knows what to do when she is off of her back. I was very impressed with the submission win for Marion Renault. Um, Also, Manny Bermudez, you probably didn't see it on Fight Pass, but the New England guy lives in Abington, Massachusetts, undefeated fighter. And he's a fighter, Kenny, who said to me before the fight, he's just like you, right? It's like he doesn't want to get hit with a lucky punch. He understands that in mixed martial arts, that's a real probability. So... His path of least resistance is to go to the ground and submit guys. And he does it with such ease in his UFC debut against a pretty tough Albert Morales. So by and large, I thought it was a big night for the submission game. Brian Kelleher and Alan Joban with a couple big wins as well. A lot of names there, Ken. Uh, Who gets the shine here from you?
3: Uh, Man. I mean, Joban's knockout was just tremendous against a Ben Saunders, who's tough as nails. Uh, Good to see Joban get the win, man. He's just a great guy. Um, who who definitely uh went out that night uh a star it was a it was a, a beautiful finish um who else uh well, what, Ronnie about, what about Yaya yeah. well, sorry go ahead well, let me talk about Yaya uh, uh first of all i mean coming off the loss of his mother just you I know, know. A, what less than 2 weeks uh, ago i mean that that's got to be extremely difficult and um, he was just all over Doan. Uh, just uh, and Russell Doan, I, I think he's a he's a very good very good ground guy, but uh, certainly not at the level of Yaya who showed why he is considered world class just all over him, man. That that's what beautiful jiu jitsu is all about. Um, and uh, really put on a clinic there. Um, and for Marion Renault McMahon panicked. McMahon got in that triangle. She could have escaped. She should have postured out. She didn't know whether to go in tight and counter, or whether to stand up, pull her arm out, um, just seemed to be confused in there. And, and, and again, it just, to me, seemed like she really panicked. And if you panic against someone like a Marion uh who's good with her jiu-jitsu, good with her finishing skills uh, off her back and with yeah. that triangle, uh, it, it was all over. It just got worse and worse. McMahon just made... the Bad decision after bad decision in there. She was on her way. It seemed like she was going to control and win
0: that fight. One mistake in this game, that's all it takes. All right, good stuff today, Ken Flow. Last thing, to on Yaya. Is that a cow catcher? Some people were saying that position is called a cow catcher. Yeah. DC said it was not. No, so it's that's not a cow catcher.
3: Here's why it's not a cow catcher. A cow catcher, you know, you could roll someone in wrestling. The head was caught behind the head. Uh, yeah. So behind the back, sorry. Um, and that's why, uh, you know, it actually could have been a submission. He was in half guard. Um, so if he was able to get out of half guard, that would have been a finish. It's a, it's a brutal neck crank. Actually, Jerry Bolander in probably 1996 or something like that yeah. hit it for a submission back in the day in the UFC. Um, it's a brutal, brutal move but it is not a cow catcher. The grip is similar in how you get the double underhooks, but the head needs to be trapped behind the back. And as you as okay. you roll them, uh, and as you put your, your, your back uh, backwards into the head, uh, it creates a lot of force, sending the neck forward. It's hard to breathe. Uh, you crank the neck, and, and you have to tap out. R- lucky for Russell, uh, he was in that half guard. He was able to prevent that, but it, it, it's, a, it's a
0: devastating move. Oh, man, did that not look fun, no. right? I mean, you put someone in a move like that, I will never go back to jiu-jitsu class <laughs> as long as I live. It's brutal. Uh, great show in Orlando, though. The crowd was really good, and, and it was fun to, to, to be with some family for me and have them in the building. But fighters just really turned out, uh, and it's such a treat to, to call fights when you're getting finishes like that yeah. and, and exciting performances. So, uh, as usual, thanks to the fighters for a great night of fights. All right, now with us on the guest line, one of the men who played a huge role in the development of EA Sports UFC 3, a project very close to my heart and my voice, producer for EA Sports UFC 3, my good friend, Freddie Oano is with us. Freddie, oh, my man, it's good to have you on the show, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. Hey, John. Did I, did, I get you your, did I get your last name right? I know I spent a lot of time talking about pronunciations <laughs> with you, with others. I mean, did I butcher the surname right out of the shoot today, or are we good? No, you, you got it. You got it. Okay. All right, good. So I know how hard you work. I saw it firsthand. I know they don't pass out championship rings to the cast and crew when a video game is completed. But given how much of an undertaking it is for you and your staff and everybody else to produce a game, What happens when, like, you get one in the can? I mean, I know you don't, like, go eat mushrooms necessarily, but what do you do?
1: You take a long vacation. (laughs) That's typically what we do. Um, You know, we worked, I don't know, I guess it was was a year ago when you and I just hit record on day one. um, And it was probably about 18 months ago when we started USC3. And, um, you know, you're right. It's a huge undertaking. we got a big, passionate team working on this game. Um, And typically, you know, the game launches. We wait for the reviews to come in. But we're always listening to the fans. We're always listening to the reviewers. We're always trying to, you know, improve the game even before it's been shipped. We're listening to what the fans have said. And once that's done, you know, we usually the the core team
0: tries to take some time off and, and decompress. So, of course, our fans are hearing you for the first time, but you're a massive combat sports fan. You know more about boxing than I will ever know, and now, obviously, you've been following mixed martial arts for longer than a decade. But when did you start first working on the UFC franchise of games? And I'd imagine for you being at EA, when EA got the UFC, that was a a pretty big day for you in your career.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I've been a a big boxing fan uh, since I was a kid. I still remember, uh, you know, my dad coming home when I was seven years old and, and, you know, bringing us, uh, my my brother and I, some uh, leather boxing gloves. And uh, from that day forward, we just became huge boxing fans. Um, But for EA specifically, I was in video games, and, you know, EA had the Fight Night boxing um, franchise. And when it came to Vancouver, I, I called up a friend of mine at EA, and I just said, do anything you can to get me on that game. And that was huh. a Wednesday. And by Monday, I was already talking to, uh, one of the executive producers at EA sports. And by f- the next Friday, I was signed and I was ready to go. And that's how excited I was to get in TA. But, but more importantly, more excited to uh, work on my favorite game, which was fight night. And I worked on fight night round four, uh, fight night champion. And, uh, and then the, uh, UFC license came up, and I've been working on that ever since. And you know that was i think we've done UFC one, UFC two, and we just started launching
3: UFC three. Well, you deserve some kind of award for this game, but maybe a bigger award for hanging out with John Anik for eighty hours. Uh, how, how did uh, you?
1: How did you do that, Freddie? <laughs> um, a lot of patience. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you made it. You made it very easy, John. Um, i got to say, you're, you're probably one of the best, one of the most professional, one of the most easiest guys to work with in the studio. Um, you know, for those of you who don't know, you know, we don't write lines for John Anik or for any of the commentary. We set them up with a context, a scenario, and they just ad-lib all the lines. And, and John, you were one of the best at ad-libbing. You gave us more than... We need it at times, and, and, you know, you put in your homework, you come into the studio, and, and you have the notes all lined up and ready to go. So thank you for your uh, hard work.
3: I, I love, I love uh, giving John Anik a hard time, but this guy, I've known him for a long time. He's one of the hardest-working uh, guys, and, and homework is basically his middle name. But, uh, oh. Fre- Freddie, as far as e- EA Sports 2 and EA Sports 3, what are the differences?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've made some huge strides in all areas of the game. Um, you know, we try to build on what we had from, uh, from the last version, but, uh, really for UFC three, you know, some of the big areas are, you know, um, the the entire stand up striking experience is entirely different. Mm. We built that from the scratch up. We threw everything away from UFC one and UFC two, and we don't normally do that, but we had a chance to work with uh, some new technology, which is real player motion tech and uh, we created over 5,000 new animations in the game. Wow. So really, every strike, every punch, kick, block counter, has all been recaptured and rebuilt. I mean, we built from the ground up. The result of that and why we did such a huge undertaking was, you know, it allowed us to have the most seamless combinations, the most fluid motion. The the stand-up is very responsive, um, and it enables UFC fighters to look and fight and feel the way they should
3: now obviously um, yeah, no go ahead
1: yeah and on top of that i mean you know you know we brought up uh, we brought on you know dozens of ufc fighters to uh, come in and actually do motion capture and, and capture their actual one-to-one likeness so you'll see that in game
3: you know i'm sure it was challenging just to do a, a boxing game but doing a ufc game i mean there's literally millions of moves and combinations that you could put together uh, for a UFC-style fight game. What was the hardest part about doing that?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, I work with a a, a very passionate team, Um, you know, people that are very smart and and love the sport. Um, You know, we have at VA, we have uh, a jiu-jitsu class. We have a kickboxing class with a boxing class. And some of the core uh, people leading up the development of the game, they're there every week, every week. And, you know, since UFC won, I believe now, you know, they all started at white belts, and I believe there's a few guys that are at blue or even purple belts right now. Um, Incredible. So, you know, everyone's doing their homework. Everyone's engaged. Everyone's watching the fight. Everyone's practicing. You know, everyone's getting... A lot of people are getting punched in the face. Um, and this is, this is just so that we can make the most authentic experience. And, and, you know, you can't do that unless you, uh, unless you feel it, you know, and, uh, you know, all of that homework, um, kind of, you know, makes it easier for us to, to make the game. But of course we're making a video game and there's thousands, millions of variables that we have to consider. Um, but you know, with, with some of the new technology, like for example, with real player motion tech, it used to motion capture sessions used to be very long, very tedious and and uh with this new technology we're just able to get fighters in, get them to the move naturally, do what they want and, and the motion capture time is half the time now, right? So with technology advances things get a bit easier for us.
0: I'm just glad you hit on a lot of that because I hope fans understand, right? I mean, the guys who are producing this game are are putting a gi on and trading jujitsu on the EA grounds, right? Like a college campus they got there in Vancouver, right? I mean, guys putting this game together are striking and getting punched in the face. When Freddie told me that, uh, you know, I was all in. So dare I ask, and Freddie Owano joining us here on the Anakin Forum podcast, producer for EA Sports UFC 3, how soon does any wheel get put in motion for EA Sports UFC 4 once this one is put to rest, relatively speaking?
1: Like I said, we, just, we don't stop. I mean, we're, we're continually listening to uh, the fans. We're engaging with, uh, you know, very hardcore players and very passionate players. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's almost as soon as this thing, quote-unquote, is, is done... We're 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 working on the next. We're, we're always a, There's never there's never a time where we're hundred percent ship the game with everything we wanted to, um, and that's just due to timeline or budget or resources. So we're always trying to take those ideas, apply them to the next. We're always listening to feedback from everybody and applying that to the next. So really, I mean, people haven't haven't stopped and uh, and and you know UFC four or, you know we're or we're, we're, we're already thinking about how we can improve it from the sc3
0: well it looks great man and, and they even have the stand and bang mode can flow for guys like me because I get taken down very quickly I usually get grounded and pounded out so I can just eliminate it's like great right it's, I don't I, just like skip a jujitsu clash I can I could get the wrestling and the grappling out of it just do my stand and bang mode Freddie how much of a video game player are you I know you've got a lot of interests and uh you, you explore a lot of different things and art, and museums, and restaurants. I mean, how much of a video gamer did you come into this field being?
1: Yeah, I mean, my background actually comes from film and video production. Um, yeah. That's what I did before I got into games. Um, you know, producing, editing, directing. And I think I apply all of those skills and all of those interests into video games. Um, and, and really, that is my, my role there is... is is. I'm, I'm charged with ensuring that broadcast presentation is as authentic as it possibly can be um, so that when, when a player is watching our game, if they happen to squint their eyes, they'll, you know, they say, is that TV or is that a video game? And when people can do that, you know, we've accomplished our job. Um, but to, to video games, I don't really play as much video games as, as my coworkers. Um, yeah. But like I said, I think I, think I bring um, another perspective from other um, inspirations like uh, music videos or, or film or photography or whatnot that are all pertinent to uh, developing a game.
0: No doubt about it. You bring a lot to the table. And what a resource you were for me trying to voice this game to have a, a real, true mixed martial arts fan and somebody who had his finger on the pulse of the sport. And you helped me through those sessions that, that I've said on these airwaves and in other places were, were not all that easy. All right, Freddie, thank you for the time. I appreciate you, and uh, congrats on the game. EA Sports UFC 3, available now, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. We'll talk to you soon, my man. Enjoy the fights this weekend.
1: All right, guys. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Appreciate it. There he is, Freddie Oano, producer, EA Sports UFC 3 in Vancouver. It is pretty incredible, the whole setup they got in Vancouver. I haven't been there. I've just seen, like, virtual tours. But, I mean, you can appreciate that, Kenny, as a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. The fact that, at the very least, the people who are doing this game are not just training in the discipline but falling in love with it and going from white belt to blue belt over the course of developing two or three video games – it's hard to make an MMA game, right? And yes. I think largely these guys have succeeded more so than anyone who has tried to do it.
3: I love that, man. Very impressive. And you, you got to admire that work ethic and the ability to go, you know what, yeah, I want to make a great game, but actually I really want to feel it. That's what's going to take the game uh, to the next level. So the fact that they're actually practicing the mo- these moves, learning about the art, uh, I'm, o- I'm always going to be a
0: fan of that. So that's that's pretty damn cool, man. And the motion capture stuff you heard him talking about too. a guys like Cajun Johnson benefited greatly from being local, but a guy who could do a lot of different things and they captured a lot of his motion. He's mimicking other fighters. And I really think it translates. I don't have a great framework for the video game space, but uh, I've liked what I've seen thus far. And as I said, for someone like me, dude, like I'm I'm a terrible video game player. Like, you want you play me in Madden, you'll you'll destroy me. But at least there's this stand and bang mode. Otherwise, you know, I mean, I'm getting taken down by strikers, right? And they're just pounding me out of the guy. I just have no clue. I gotta <laughs> I gotta get better. Uh, EA Sports UFC three, you can get it out, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. All right, good stuff there from Freddie O. We also have two copies of EA Sports UFC three to give away. These are PS4, not Xbox One, so I apologize for that. So one copy is gonna go to the first fan. In Las Vegas this weekend, so I know this is selective. I apologize if you're not coming to the show. First fan in Vegas this weekend who comes up to me and says, Florian is going to have five kids, okay? (laughs) That is the secret message. Find me in Vegas and say, John, Florian's going to have five kids, (laughs) and I will get you your copy of EA Sports UFC 3. Next copy will be given away on next week's Anik and Florian podcast. I'm sweating
3: just thinking about
0: that. Oh, I know. I'm sure. <laughs> well, you got to shut. No, I mean, two or three. If Ooh, you go five, anxiety. you are anxiety out of your mind. Feeling it right here. Yeah. All right. Thank you to our guests, of course, Freddie O. Thanks to Mark Henry and Ray Longo for joining us. Josh Penland on the picks next week. Full recap of UFC 222. And then, mercifully, one week off for the MMA leader. But we'll be back, of course, every Monday throughout March. But... At least we don't have a show to give picks on so Ken Flo can get a little bit more time with the baby girl. Good to see you, my man. With that for The Flow, I'm John Anik. Thank you all for listening, for subscribing, for watching. We look forward to talking to you again next Monday. Until then, you'll later. The John Anik and
4: Kenny Florian Podcast. networks wagering week help your
0: bottom line Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started In 1795 the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family and 229 years later Cuervo is still going strong family owned from the start same family same land Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo the tequila that invented tequila Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024. Proximo Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.